Greetings in the name of Christ. It is a new week and welcome to the Hope to Hope podcast. This podcast exists to share Christ, his truth and his saving love for his people. To this end, we exist to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we're going to do so by looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to verse 29, which I'd like to go right ahead and read. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this church I was made a minister according to to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been made manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ For this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. (laughs) If I could, I I could say a lot about this passage because it is my favorite passage in Colossians. Uh, Because in it, we see wonderful truths about Christian ministry, uh, that ministry chases after us. Uh, Ministry expresses our love for the church and and i'm going to say something about our love for the church because this is something that paul says here and it is something that is very dear to me which should be dear to you your love for the church of christ a ministry floods us with joy it tests our character it, it presents god's word in fullness and it main aims towards making us mature and it exhausts us, but we will see something about this exhaustion. The The wonder and honor of ministry is not just for, for pastors or missionaries <clears throat> or people who have the official call to ministry, because all of us have been given this, this gladness and glory of ministry uh, since we became followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. God want us to to change the world through the gospel all of us we have to be engaged in in christian ministry the apostle paul says in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 4 there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit there are different kinds of service but the same lord there are different kinds of working but the same god who works all who works all of them in all men. God gives each Christian a unique gift to do his work, and God gives gives each Christian a unique kind of service, and God gives each Christian uh, a unique working or the results from that service. What we see here in Colossians is something of what Paul uh, has, has taught if you look there at verse 24 and 25, now I rejoice in what I was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard 
to Christ's afflictions for the sake of this body, which of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. He says, I have become its servant. And that's one of the verses I like here. It's servant by the commission given to me by God. He, he goes on to also say, I have become its servant, which is interesting because the antecedent to the word um, there is the church, the body of Christ, which means Paul is saying he has become a servant of the church. Do you see that? Twice he mentions servant there. He, in verse 23, <clears throat> says, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and move, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. He was made a servant of the gospel, saving Christ. And he also says that he was made a servant of the church. So he's a servant of Christ and a servant of the church. One of the questions I like as asking people that I haven't seen in a long time, when I meet them, uh, Christians who I've not seen in a long time, I like asking them, do you still love the church? Do you still serve your church? Do you still go to church? I do that deliberately because uh, I know the the question I'm going to always get is, no, I don't, I'm not serving the church, I serve Christ. I don't love the church, I love Christ. But you see here, Paul is saying Jesus and his church are inseparable. You cannot love Jesus if you do not love his church. You cannot love his church if you do not love Jesus. You have to love both. To serve Christ is to serve the church. To serve the church is to serve Christ. Paul is saying he's a servant of Christ and a servant of the church. They are inseparably, inseparably joined. Church and Christ are connected to, 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 together. There is no saving of the union, or severing rather, of the union between the head of the body and the body. You cannot disconnect and disjoint the two. And then he also says a number of other things there. Uh, that I would like to uh, to mention, but I will not go there because of of time. But he um, he also says uh, um, um, something there that is that is interesting. I wanted to <laughs> to get to it now, but but let me do this uh, first. He mentions there in verse 27 something that is uh, important and I want to give you the, the analogy there of what he's talking about. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That verse is a, is a very nice verse and you know makes it one of my interesting verses in, in Colossians, the hope of glory. How is Christ the hope of glory in the gospel, in our lives? Well, it is like this. The analogy Paul is giving us here is, when you look at glory in the New Testament, the word doxa, glory, it, for, the, for the Greeks and how they think, uh, to talk about uh, something that is shining when they think of glory. That's why 
the analogies we see in the New Testament or when people see God's glory, it, 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 it appears as if it's something that's um, shining and dazzling. But when you look at the Old Testament, the word glory, abode, uh, it, it, it talks about something that is heavy. That is why people in the Old Testament, when they see the glory of God or something like that, they will be struck with fear and awe and, and not just hide their faces, but it's heavy. They want to die. The same is in the New Testament because it's the same glory. It's not different. I'm just saying how the Greeks and the Hebrew would, would think about this. But if you think of something um, of glory and yourself, so if you were to um to to look at a seesaw you're sitting on the one side god is sitting on the other side you here are yourself a, sin, a sinner and then on the other hand here is god's glory that's like if you were to put an elephant on the one side and a child on the other side and then you were to imagine the child is sitting on the one side of the seesaw uh, and then the other side is raised and then you drop an elephant from a thousand kilometers in the sky and then it drops on this seesaw. What's going to happen to this child? They're going to fly in the air and they're going to land somewhere and they're going to get hurt and die. But what Paul is saying to us here in the analogy that he's drawing is that on the one side we have God in his glory, which is heavy. And then Christ comes on the one side and he becomes that balance to the scale. And then we sit on the other side with Christ and he becomes the hope of glory for us. So when God is here on the other side, we are on the other side. We are not going to, to be tossed and thrown away and die because Christ becomes the same weight as God. He becomes the, the hope of glory for us. And so we can stand before God and, and, and not be consumed and, and killed. And then also look at verse 25. He talks about saving the church and loving the church and, and working uh, for the church. He says that for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. You see that it is his power, it is God's power that works um, within us. It is not our power that, that makes us work. Uh, in verse 29 rather, sorry. I wanted to go to verse 24 in closing. And sorry, I'm going back and forth. But in verse 24, Paul says, I rejoice in what I was suffered for you. Or... Um, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I fill up what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of this body. It is a very difficult verse for, for us to read and for us to understand. The Roman Catholic Church, supposing this is a reference to something that is lacking in the atoning sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ, they claim that this is a reference to Christians suffering for their own sins and uh, adding to the suffering of Christ because something is lacking in the suffering of Christ and so we have to suffer and add to it. That's how this doctrine of purgatory could be developed because purgatory is where people suffer for their own sins 
and purge themselves of their own sins. And this idea would be that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross needed something to be added to it. Um, but there, there are two points here that um, I will point out why this is not true. First, Paul is talking about the suffering in this life, not about the suffering that is in the life to come. He's not talking about after you die. So purgatory cannot be seen in this verse. He says he is suffering. In order to, to maintain this reference to purgatory, we would have purgatory in, in this life. And this is not true. Further, this word suffering is a reference to troubles in life. So whenever we, the word suffering is used in connection to Jesus suffering upon the cross in atonement to sin, it never, it never uses this word. So it is only used in connection to people's difficulties and hardships in life. Paul uh, just finished teaching with regard to the work of Jesus Christ. Um, he, he finished teaching about uh, the work of Christ that is sufficient in verse 13 and verse 14 and then 19, verse 20, verse 22. The accomplished work of the Lord Jesus Christ is, is written here. It is finished. Paul is not talking about any of the work of Jesus Christ with regards to atonement that is suffering, that is um, um, lacking. Paul's reference here, he is referring to the world's hatred for Jesus Christ that is not yet completed. And the, the, the world will continue hating Jesus. And now since Jesus is in heaven and he's out of sight in this hostile world, who is hated? The Lord's people. We are hated. So the world has not yet filled up the measure of their hostility against Jesus and against us. So we continue to be hated in this world. Remember, our love for Jesus and serving the church are inseparable. So if we serve the church and love Jesus, we are going to be hated for it. And we will have to, uh, to rejoice in our sufferings and in our, in our bodies to fill up um, what is lacking um, in Christ's afflictions. May he bless you.